For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The captain of a ship once looked uh, into the darkness and saw faint lights in the distance. Uh, they were headed directly for each other. Immediately, he told a signalman to send a message, alter your course 10 degrees south. Uh, promptly, a message was returned, which received, uh, said, no, alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain was angered, his command had been ignored, and so he sent a second message, uh, alter your course 10 degrees south, I am the captain. Uh, then a second message was received back, alter your course 10 degrees north, I am Seaman 3rd Class Jones. Immediately the captain sent a third message, now enraged, and knowing the fear it would evoke, said, alter your course 10 degrees south, I am a battleship. The reply came back, alter your course 10 degrees north, I am a lighthouse. We, uh, we often dig in our heels. And uh, submission to others is something I think that we all at times struggle with, of humbling our pride and, and submitting to others, trusting someone else, allowing in meekness, allowing someone else to go first. Um, so we're going to see that here a little bit in the text. And Matthew 17, starting in verse 14 this morning. And when they came to a crowd, that's Jesus and the disciples, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and he suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and often into water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. So we come right out of the Mount of, of Transfiguration where there's this high point where Peter, James, and John see, see Jesus glowing in, in this foreshadowing of glory and, and he's there with Moses and Elijah to show that Jesus is the fulfillment of both the law and the prophets, the entire Old Testament. It's all about him and it's kind of this, this, this climactic moment in the Gospel of Matthew um, that prepares us as we head towards the cross. And they have this a moment uh, of epiphany and then we're going to see... A, we see failure. We see we, we, they come down off the mountain and the disciples aren't able to drive out this demon. Um, verse, uh, yeah, in verse 16, they brought him to the disciples and they could not heal him. Uh, and we may, uh, we may also see here that, um, that some of the Pharisees may have actually been, been gloating over the disciples' failures. Um, and Jesus is going to deal with that here. So, um, and Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how, am, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. There's um, this, this growing frustration, perhaps disappointment, I think, um, in Jesus uh, with his disciples and also with the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, because, your faith, uh, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Uh, I think what's going on is the, the disciples assumed that what they had was some magical power, and they were in some ways trusting 
in their own selves. They're trusting in, in, in themselves to be able to do these mighty works instead of relying on Jesus and trusting in him. And, and the faith, um, it's not so much little because Jesus says even with a little bit of faith, um, you know, you can move these metaphorical mountains, faith like a mustard seed. Um, it's about a poor faith, a poor faith which isn't actually trusting in Jesus and, and maintaining a connection to him. It's a poor faith which just assumes that I can do this on my own. Uh, one quote I came across this week is they're trusting, they're treating the authority given them like a gift of magic, a bestowed power, not fully trusting in Jesus. Um, verse 22. And uh, they were gathering in Galilee, and Jesus said to them, Son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and he will be raised in the third day. And they were greatly distressed. Um, another prediction. Perhaps it's a motivator for them uh, to continue to, to press in, not grow complacent. Um, Jesus continues to, hey, listen, I, I'm not going to be with you forever. You need to get this now because you're going you're to need to figure this out before I'm gone. And verse 24, when they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? Uh, this was a Jewish tax, not a Gentile tax. Um, it was a tax that was given uh, for the temple. So this was a Jewish tax levied on every male believer between the ages of 20 and 50 in support of the temple and its services. Uh, and Peter, he said, yes. Uh, does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he came to the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? So Jesus wasn't with him, and Peter assumed. Uh, he presumed that Jesus, well, of course, Jesus has paid the tax. Uh, and he goes back uh, to the room where Jesus is, and Jesus knows what Peter's done, uh, and, uh, and sort of instantly kind of calls him out on it, because um, Peter sort of went out ahead of Jesus a little bit here. Uh, and he says, uh, it's this, this idea of um, Jesus' identity in relationship with God and relationship with the temple. And when he said, from others, Jesus said to him, uh, then the sons are free. However, do not give offense to them. Go to the sea and cast a hook. And take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you'll find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Uh, Jesus is acknowledging that, that he is the true son, the son of the father, and the temple actually belongs to him. Um, that, it's, that it's ultimately his temple, um, and he's exempt from the tax. And if he's exempt from this religious tax, then so too are the adopted sons and daughters as well. Peter, the disciples, and, and the followers. Uh, they're also exempted. Um, and then there's this miracle story where Jesus says, Peter, all right, you've already committed me to this tax. Uh, go and, and throw a hook in the sea. And, and so there's an amazing little miracle that, that strengthens Peter's faith as well, where there's a coin for both of them uh, that covers both of their tax in the fish's mouth. And um, I see here we have, we have two separate stories. There's the story of uh, the disciples' inability to heal and also the story of, of this temple tax. And... Um, we see the presumption of the disciples in this healing. The, the presumption is I can do it on my own. Uh, that I, I don't, it's not about faith, it's about me and my powers. Um, and then Peter also has this presumption that, that Jesus has to pay the tax, that we're all, uh, we're obviously all, all bound to it. Uh, and these story, two stories in some ways speak to the, the connection with Jesus and that in in connection with Jesus, in our connection with, with God through Jesus, that we have both power and freedom. 
that the power of our faith comes not simply from ourselves, but comes from that connection, that abiding connection, that uh, sort of resting in Him, abiding in Him, that that's where the power of our faith comes from as we are connected to Jesus. But also the freedom in our faith, the freedom from these external religious duties, from, from these, these ceremonies, that our freedom from, from those, the old ways also comes from our connection to Jesus, from our connection to the Son Himself, that, that now through Him we are adopted and we are set free from having to go through these sort of Old Testament ceremonial and civil motions. Um, and we're going to see the way that Jesus cements that connection, that connection which gives us both power and freedom will come through the cross, through His death and resurrection, and He alludes to that here. Um, that that is, that is what is necessary for us to, to really gain that ultimate true connection. Uh, and so a bit of a, an odd um, couple of, of, of stories. And so what do we, what do, we do with that? How, do we, what, how does this, what does this mean for us today? And um, there's one thing that, that stood out at me is Jesus' um, desire not to offend for the sake of offense. He says, go pay the tax. We don't have to. We're free from it. But go pay the tax so that we're not offending anyone. And, and it, I think a call for us to be humble, to submit to one another, not to be the ship not willing to turn away from the lighthouse, um, but to find humility in our interactions with others. And, you know, it's the beginning of the Beatitudes in Matthew, which is blessed are the poor in spirit, um, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are when we when we lower ourselves in, in a sense and, and allow others, to put others in front of ourselves, to allow others to excel, um, that we can, we can walk with humility um, and not needing to, to cause offense, um, surrendering our rights to bring peace. Um, I think in some ways, maybe that's one of the things Jesus is getting at here. Um, in Corinthians, uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, um, Paul says, listen, just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean you should. And just because you have the right not to do something doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Um, don't cause unnecessary offense. Instead, look not just at what you have the right to do or, or the right not to do. And instead, look, what's best for those around you? What's, what's best for those um, that you're, you're called to be responsible for, to care for, for the people around us? And Paul says that we need to submit to one another for the sake of loving each other and not just getting what we're due or what we can do. Or um, Don't cause unnecessary offense. Just because you don't have to, doesn't mean you shouldn't. And so I think there's, there's a call for us there today as we look at our, our freedom and our power and our rights in Christ. And, and instead of just going, this is what I can do, instead it's looking at, at what can I do for people around me, even if I don't have to. Surrendering ourselves for the good of others. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that this is what you've done for us. This is the model. This is the example. This is your love, that you laid down your life for us, that we love because you first loved us. God, that you humbled yourself to the point of the cross. You didn't have to do that. You did it for us. And so, God, with our lives, with our freedoms, with our stuff and our opportunities and our time, God, help us to submit those things to you and others that we might build others up and see them thrive, to see them come to know you, to see them be built up.
God, give us those humble attitudes, those meek attitudes of faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you're having a great week. Uh, Let us know if there's anything we can do to help. Talk to you soon.